Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. My name is Andrew Harris, and as always, joining me is the ever-excited Andrew Decker. He's totally not distracted right now and completely focused on our podcast episode. Isn't that right, Mr. Decker? Of course. I, all I focus on is this podcast. In fact, if it weren't <laughs> for me, it wouldn't even exist. Hey, wait a second. That's uh, that's so That's so true. That's so true. You are the heart and soul of our podcast, my friend. Well, but and I but think everybody knows looks, it. But you're, but you're the good looks of the podcast, and you have a face for radio, my friend. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! Making me blush. Um. So okay. So we're we're it's mid July. Um. It is boiling hot outside. Tell me what's new. What have you been up to? Nothing. Um, I've well been working and uh, have several trials coming up and going to go down for another TCDLA event uh, next week. So we're having to record early. So, you know, that's it's busy. I have nothing. I have nothing. I've been I have been staying inside as much as possible. The good thing is on the inside here where I'm at, I have air conditioning. Do you know where they don't have air conditioning, Mr. Decker? Uh, in the refugee uh, camps? Refugee camps and also the prisons, which is our... Oh, the prisons. Awkward oh, that's the topic segue. for today. Yeah, there it that's is. Our topic. There it is. Jeez. I knew that. And I knew that was where you're going. I just wanted to like, you know, like play a little bit. Totally knew that, right? And joining yep. us today to discuss all things... Uh, you know, defending uh, people in prison related is Mr. Jake Greenberg. How are you, sir? Is Jake there? I'm doing great. Thank you for having yeah. me. There he is. <laughs> hey, man. Okay, so um, let's get started. Uh, Jake, you have done some work as like, you know, well, why don't you just give us a brief intro? Like, where where are you from? Why did you get into criminal defense? And, and kind of just an overview of your of your career up to now. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I went to law school in St. Mary's back in 2019 is when I graduated, Uh, took the bar exam, got my results November 2019, and kind of left the country for a minute while before uh, starting practicing and uh, happened to get back in the country around February, March of 2020. And it was kind of hard to find uh, criminal defense work back then because of uh, some global news occurring, but I found an office that was willing to take me out in Huntsville, Texas. Uh, It was State Council for Offenders. They do public defense for prison crimes, for civil commitment issues with people in prison. They have a whole office dedicated specifically to prison issues. And they were willing to to be my first uh, foray into criminal defense. Um, I really wanted to be a public defender, so that was the uh, best step to go other than becoming a prosecutor first, I guess. Certainly. So, I mean, like, talk about trial by fire. I mean, these are the cases that, like, nobody really wants to take, right? Oh, yeah. No, these are people that have been convicted of at least one other felony in the past, are currently serving time in that for that felony, and are accused of another one while in custody. So, as you can imagine, our jury pool comes from wherever that uh, prison was where it occurred, allegedly occurred, which means small town Texas. Everyone and their mother's related to a guard. Everything is recorded in prison. So my clients had their back against their wall, the wall, and they were not uh, 
in a particularly good position to defend themselves. So, that, uh, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to go to trial in a county like that, and, and I know some of those counties, obviously. On a good case, I cannot imagine trying to do one on a prison case. Yeah, well, yeah. thankfully, um, I mean, I guess regretfully, because I really did want the trial experience and the, you know, the actual uh, to be there and to, to do the work. But the pandemic stopped a lot of in-person visits. It definitely stopped uh, trials throughout the state of Texas. Um, but I had a, quite a few cases that were set and ready to go. I just never got to see them all the way through. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and that, and that's because, you know, you were there during a pandemic and so that, you know, put a damper on all of our trial experiences, but, you know, probably weren't lacking for work though. Right. Oh um, no. So what, so, so your transition, well, I guess we'll talk about your transition into the public defender's office, how your experience as the council for offenders office helped with that. But, you know, what was the, I guess, what was the transition from just regular, you know, uh, new, newly licensed attorney into representing people in prison? Yeah, um, that is a fantastic question. So my only previous criminal defense experience was a couple of months uh, post-bar interning for the Dallas Public Defender's Office. Uh, but going from that, you know, from dealing with misdemeanors, you know, DWI is the worst day of someone's life, to someone mm -hmm. with multiple violent felony convictions who is you know facing additional jail time prison time it's it's a uh, it's a bit of a shock you know you learn a lot about prison culture you learn a lot about um like you get I, I was given a whole packet a glossary of terms that might be used in prison um that like i needed to know like what a kite was mm. um so there was isn't that something on a string that benjamin franklin used to establish yeah. that electricity mm, is exactly. lightning my clients were very well read and they yes. often incorporated American history into their, their slang as a way to, you know, differentiate themselves. So, I mean, so all they so have to do is read, blood, but no one ever talks about the Franklins. <laughs> so my question is, what is a kite in prison? A kite That's a legitimate is, question. It's just, it's just a letter. It's just a letter. Like sometimes they'll, they'll use like strings to just sling them from cell to cell. Um, but yeah, it's, it's essentially just a letter. Like if you, uh, need an ombudsman like you've got you've got an issue um a civil issue that that you need like a prison official to look at you you'd say i'm going to send them a kite telling them that uh that i'm not given being given the proper dietary lunch like it can be anything from legitimate to illegitimate you know that's funny because in uh the one of the counties i practice in that's what the courts call you know a letter from the from the inmates to the courts you know so yeah. so that that's uh I wonder if that is just from, you know, from from some of the uh, inmates coming from TDC, and then it did the name just kind of caught on with the courts. I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, yeah, man, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and and the fact that they gave you a whole list of uh, <laughs> of, of these yeah. things is pretty fascinating. The one that caught my mind, caught my attention, was called uh, was a uh, Ninja Turtles. And oh. I do not believe, like, th this this whole list, half of it read, like, a 2020 special talking about the new drug your kids may be doing, um, that, like, yeah. no kid is actually doing. Like, because Ninja Turtles was supposedly what they called 
uh, the four-man, like, riot squad that comes in if someone's got, like, a weapon in their cell and is acting, you know, threatening. Um, because they wear these giant padded um, suits, essentially. They've got, you know, stuff on their back that makes it look like, you know, protection on their back that makes it look like, you know, they're a turtle in a half shell. Right. So, little things like that that I still can't imagine anyone actually used. But, like, you think about it, and some of those clients were 80s kids at one point, so now they're in there, and they see some guards that look like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so they started. I can't speak to that authentic, but it was in the packet. It does sound like a bit like, you know, a parent or something trying to use new slang, and the kids are like, nobody says on fleek or exactly. fam or anything like that, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Well, um, but I, I know in the next few weeks I plan on seeing the new Ninja Turtle movie, so <laughs> I, I will now. So that's all you're going to be thinking about, about right? Yeah, so now yeah, you can yeah. brush up on your prison slang. Huh? Yeah, that's funny, man. So what kind of like? Uh, so somebody's somebody's in custody. They're incarcerated. They're serving out a sentence. Like, what's the what's the general like cases that 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 somebody can pick yeah, what, up? Yeah, yeah. What cases can you actually pick up in prison? So obviously I, I didn't deal with any DWIs or anything like that. Right. But what I was dealing with was uh, a lot of assaults. Um, there are harassment of public servant cases where a client will um, allegedly spit on a correctional officer and that becomes a felony. Uh, there are, you know, of course, uh, drug cases, weapons cases. It's illegal to have a deadly weapon in a prison. Um, and we do have cell phone cases. And uh, there's also escapes and attempted escapes. But I really like to focus on the possession cases because those are kind of interesting, the way TDCJ handles them. Well, tell because, us about that. Yeah, yeah, you can get... So in prison, you have they have many ways to punish you. They can punish you with the disciplinary, which can involve anything from your line class being reduced, meaning that you have less privileges and you're less able to take classes, to uh, less good time, so you get out later. Uh, but you can also be punished, of course, criminally. And when we're dealing with Texas Penal Code 3811, that deals with prohibited substances and items in a correctional facility. Now, sure. it, makes it, it makes it a crime to simply possess controlled substance, dangerous drug, deadly weapon, or any component used for the ongoing functioning of a wireless communication device or cell phone. So having a SIM card or a cell phone charger is now a, thir a third degree felony. Mm. Um, which means, Jeez. you know, two to ten, but if you're one of my clients, you've already got a prior felony, so it's either two to ten, it's not two to twenty, it's, it's two to twenty, or possibly twenty-five to ninety-nine. So, that those are issues. Um, yeah. And the statute itself, the reason they charge it under that instead of just like a pos simple possession statute that we'd, we'd see on the streets is because there's no mental state requirement for 3811. Uh, There's no intentional or knowingly possessing. It's just having care, custody, control, or management over the item. So if you go to prison and your your job is to clean the walkway and you're cleaning clean it up, you pick up a shirt, a guard grabs your arm, and tucked inside that shirt is a little bit of drugs or a, a, a tiny shiv, you're now violating the law. Golly. It's yeah. such a low bar. And it seems like the assumption is like, who cares, 
right? I mean, I, that's just kind of the feeling that's, I'm just hearing is, is they're already incarcerated. Who cares? Kind of. That's how it feels deal. when you read these statutes. Yeah. And the real kicker is, and I think we're going to talk about this a little later, but I, I, I've, I, I get passionate about this stuff. So I love talking about it. Thank you for having me on to, to do this. Um, is sure. that 42, what, what is the statute? 42.08B says crimes committed in prison in TDCJ custody, if you're serving a sentence, they must be stacked. And it must oh, be, yeah. it, that, that sentence will not be completed until you discharge your uh, original sentence. So when someone's signing on for three years, they're signing on for three additional years. Yeah, that was, um, that was a, I had a learning curve. I handled a case. Um, it was an assault, um, public servant while this, I mean, he was a kid out of Houston in custody, um, and gets charged with assault. And, and that was like, oh man, it has to be stacked. It was kind of, it was, uh, it was just kind of heartbreaking, you know, like he was almost going to get out and go home and, I mean, it's clear as day on the video. There's like very little that we could do. And I and I really didn't find that the special prosecution unit was like the, the easiest to work with at all. Yeah. Um, Which you kind of we, have something special if you're going to talk to those people because uh, <laughs> they get very, um, you know, you, you see how rotely a, a regular prosecutor will handle a regular misdemeanor, a regular felony even. Um, these people, they have it down to a science sometimes. You know, yeah, like it, it might as well be dealing with federal sentencing guidelines. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly it, right. It, 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 and like the federal sentencing guidelines, it is that there is no wiggle. It, it is this is it. This is you picked up the shirt. It had a little bit. It had a SIM card in it, and and i guess the reason that it's so low of a bar is that no one in in prison is going to say well i i knew that there was something in there well but that's also if i'm playing devil's advocate it's how i would make a transfer i'd be like well i'm going to i'm going to drop the shirt by the right. trash can you pick it up and then you carry it to the guy in your pod no i mean <laughs> you know it all makes perfect sense and it's tragic yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It seems like a very like as as a legislature or, or whatever trying to write laws on this. It, it does seem, um, I don't know. It seems pretty difficult to uh, to not to kind of like piecemeal like what uh, like punish those who actually need to get punished and not just pile on to somebody who's you know kicking them when them when they're down kind of deal. You know, right. And when you're talking about, you know, the, the, the possession statute, it charges drugs, weapons, and cell phone SIM cards as the same thing. You know, there's a difference between, like, having a weapon maybe to defend yourself, that I can understand, or, you know, having drugs, like, that, that's, you know, you're not supposed to have drugs, you're there to get better, like, that's, that, that legal theory. Right. And having a cell phone because you want to communicate with your loved ones, like, or potentially have access to the internet so you can, like... I don't know. It, 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 it hits me in the emotional core sometimes. Well, yeah. Yeah. They're not, but they're not the, so it treats them all the same, but they're not the same. And, exactly. and that, and, and right. And it, and it, like you said earlier, it completely takes away, you know, like the mens rea um, or, or, 
you can't really take take into their intention into effect, right? Somebody who's possessing a knife who is just nothing but a troublemaker and just aggressive is different than somebody who's like never had an issue but has one for protection, right? Um, yeah, that's uh, that is that's that's that is, that's even worse than the federal guidelines, right? At least you would have some argument for downward departure. Good downward variance. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so no no concurrence, uh, no cases, no new cases can run concurrent to the charge for which you're there, um, yep. which is um, incredible to me. It seems like it seems like one judge somewhere. Um, like the legislature was just like singling out like, okay, well, we're not going to be letting this, this judge have the discretion or we're not going to let the judicial branch have the discretion on, you know, how they want to treat this particular case. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like the reasoning behind the no concurrent cases? I mean, everyone has to get out at some point. We can't just as a society put people away forever and not think about it. Uh, they love to do that with I, your civil commitments. They, oh my God, you're not kidding. No, the civil <laughs> commitments. Oh wow, like I, I never worked in the civil section, but I have heard horror stories from the people that have. I, I couldn't decide whether to say war or horror story, but they're yeah, just terrible. Um, so oh my God, <laughs> that that well, that is a life sentence in a civil setting. It, it is it is it is shocking to me, and I kind of feel the same way about using priors uh, when talking about new cases. But it's shocking to me that when we say people have like served their or paid their debt to society, that they never have. They they never mm-hmm. have, right? And and if we wanted these people to stay in in custody for life, we should have sentenced them to life from the beginning. Like that, it it makes no sense to me why we now have. A, a situation where we're locking away people for life, like getting rid of their rights, um, simply because we're trying to, what, prevent something from happening? Like, you're not going to be able to prevent everything from happening, you know? It's kind of, it reminds me of Minority Report with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, like, it's just kind of a faulty system that erodes not just their rights, but I think everybody's rights, but I am preaching, and we all know that's Andrew Decker's job. So um, we'll stick to the itinerary. <laughs> so, so, so interestingly, I the, in this year, this month's uh, National Criminal Defense Lawyers magazine is a article, several articles on mass incarceration in the United States, and they talk about that it could take. If we stopped, if we slowed down the number of people going into prison, it could still take 50 to 75 years for us to stop having mass incarcerations, probably because of the length of sentences that people are serving. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so so adding adding another 10 to someone, you know, Mr. Harris and I had a guy that got, what, 45 twice and they were stacked. And um, if that's the case, and then he picks up anything else that's stacked on top of the, so it'd be at the back end of the second stack. I mean, he's not exactly. And you kind of go, what freaking difference does it make? And that's, I, I kind of saw some of that in prison. I mean, without going into specifics, some of these guys, you know, who are serving life, 
what's another jury trial with them? It's a field trip. Right. It's yep. a chance for them to get out, to be the center of attention for a while, to potentially see their family uh, not behind bars. You know, they're, they're wearing a suit. They dress up. Like, what do they care if they're caught with a cell phone or doing something much, much, much worse? Like, you know, a perpetual yeah, it punishment eliminates an incentive not to commit crimes, essentially, which is, I'm told, the reason we have laws. <laughs> One of them, anyways. I mean, yeah, or at least yeah. the reason we have prisons. There, there's no, yeah, there are, uh, but I mean, I, I think everybody on this call knows, like, the, our criminal justice system is deterrence is like a, it's an afterthought, you know, like yeah. it's not, they'll say that, you know, the legislature will say this is the reason for it, but no, it's, it's just straight up punishment. Um, you know, if rehabilitation was a thing, we'd have a completely different system. If deterrence was a thing, you know, we would have a completely different system, but it is what it is. Um, let's, let's, right. let's go back to yeah. our itinerary. So, um, <laughs> or we'll be here all day. I know. Uh, well, and, 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 and honestly, uh, Jake, I am now dumbfounded. Right. Um, so part, part of what we said was, uh, or one of the questions that we, that we told you we were going to ask is, you know, like I was just watching, um, a show on, I think, Netflix, uh, mayor of, I can't remember the name of the city, it's in Michigan, where basically it's it's kind of like Huntsville here. And the mayor has some say in how things are done in the jail, which doesn't make any sense to me, but it's a TV show. I know I'm watching a TV show about law enforcement and Andy hates that. Um, but mm-hmm. in the show, they're playing with a tennis ball on the, on the grounds and the tennis ball is is the is the envelope right so his stuff is easily passed i mean you you've talked about cell phones chargers sims cards that blows my mind so are they really are they really there as much as i mean tv says they are people get creative uh you know i can't talk about specifics obviously but i can say that uh if you're dealing with a closed system like a prison it is never completely closed. You have things flowing in, you have things coming out. Um, you know, whether it's uh, guards, inmates, friends, inmates, family, whether it's nurses, whether it's uh, custodians or outside kitchens. You know, if if someone wants something, they can find a way to get it a lot of the times. And that's what, you know, I mean, I can't speak too much about methods I've seen, but uh, the tennis ball thing, I mean, I, I guarantee you someone's thought of that. And I guarantee, I, I would almost guarantee you that that idea came from someone, like from a writer who did their research. Yeah, from yeah. a case file somewhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I just want to be careful about getting into too much about security or anything well, like that. But things yeah, do come in. yeah. Well, and as, as like, as technology progresses, I think we're going to see both you know, obviously people are going to adopt like the, the most technologically advanced way to get in like drones. I think there was a story in the news about drones being used to drop contraband over walls. And then I actually uh, had someone through a uh, TDCLA's uh, Facebook group, reach out to me about a, a drone case that they had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see, so it's the future is now. Um, but, um, but also going back to like these more, you know, analog methods, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, as, as they start to turn their attention to more 
technologically advanced ways that, you know, people are, I'm sure are going to go back to the tried and true methods. And hopefully that, you know, the authorities, not hopefully, but they would hope that the authorities would be distracted from that. Um, so we've all seen, you know, movies and, and pop culture references that take place in prison or refer to prisons you know, is what's life like in a Texas prison? Is it as volatile and dangerous as they say? Um, you know, what are the conditions like in general? Thankfully, uh, I only served a year in Huntsville and then I got out and went back to Dallas to work. Sorry. So uh, <laughs> Sorry. I don't know nope, nope. experience dealing behind the bars. Um, I will say that, th- you know, as you said, alluded to earlier, um, air conditioning isn't in all the units. Uh, it's mostly reserved for the mental health units where they're on like lithium or things that require you to not be overheated in order to continue li- living, that sort of stuff. But yeah. uh, it sounds like a hot, miserable place where even keeping to yourself isn't always an option. Um, yeah. You know, you just get caught up in someone trying to like, um, you know, for someone may have beef with you for whatever reason. Maybe you took their bunk and didn't know it was there. Right things and I I mean it's it can be a very violent dangerous place so any yeah I mean I, I would think just okay it's nothing like prison but I, I've been to summer camp right and <laughs> at, when you're sharing like a dormitory or a bunk room with any number of guys like one of them has a bad day and yeah. you just can't you can't tell how that's going to affect you or like affect the group in whole or, or whatever. And, and man, I can't, you know, I can't imagine on some of these Texas summers in South Texas, especially no AC yeah. it's hot. People are angry um, or scared or whatever. And, and it just is, you know, constantly at a boiling point or at a tipping no, point, I guess. Absolutely. Um, something I heard a guard say once is, uh, he he was telling me like I, I I was telling him to kind of be careful, and he said, "Don't worry, I'm not static," meaning he doesn't set off the other inmates. But oh wow, that tells me there are guards that you know people you know aren't particularly good, and right. they tend to cause problems just by being there. Yeah, but um, and that's one thing I want to say to uh, like there are two things I, I want to get out to people who are taking TDC crime cases. Because I, f- I found the resources for this sort of stuff is low. Like there, there isn't a lot of people that talk about the cri- the TDCJ specific issues. Um, so if I could have just like a platform for a moment, just to talk about two two uh, case law issues I wanted to, I wanted to discuss. Please, please do. Um, so there's a case out of Texas Criminal Appeals Court. Uh, it's called Likens v. State, seven eight four SW two D thirty two, and this has to do with uh, a constitutional protection that you have in prison that you actually don't have elsewhere. Um, because, you know, in prison, you don't have the right to privacy. And it, uh, a guard can ask you to search or to strip search for practically any reason or no reason at all, so long as it isn't just absolutely harassing, I believe is what the courts have said. Um, but if you are um, an inmate in TDCJ and a guard asks you a question, you are compelled to answer. If not, you can be subject to a TDCJ internal disciplinary proceeding. 
or like failure to respond to a guard's question. Because of this, you have an extra protection from Miranda. So if a guard uh, asks an inmate, you know, what are you doing? And they say hiding drugs. That statement could be inadmissible under this case because you were compelled to answer. It gets rid of the, uh, the, the reasoning behind Miranda. Right. So that's something that I feel like no one knows. And I, I did talk about stacking issues. So I, I did get to say the pieces that I wanted to. No, can you can you give us that um, citation one more time to this case? Sure thing. Uh, Likens, L-Y-K-I-N-S, the state, 784-SW2D-32. And it's a 1990s case. That's great. That's good stuff. Good deal. Did you say there was two, or did you have another, or is that the... Uh... You know I've got one more, actually. Good deal. Um, so if you ever pick up a case for escape or attempted escape, uh, part of the element of the offense for, for escaping is that you are in custody. And that means that whatever you are in custody for is an essential element of the offense. So your whatever you're in custody for cannot be used to enhance uh, your felony or the, the new felony you pick up. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, I, it's kind of a, yeah. a mouthful, but uh, the way Wetlaw puts it is uh, the person's sentence could not be enhanced by the same prior conviction that was used as an essential element of the charged offense. And that is Musgrove v. State, 425-SW3D-601. And that's a Court of Appeals Houston case, but it, it, I've I found it worked well with uh, the special prosecutor that I was dealing with. So one more time with that citation. Uh, 425-SW3D-601. Okay. And I will uh, we'll make sure that is on the case notes. And Decker just sent me a note that said he had to drop off real quick. Um, so he'll join us back again. But we can keep rolling here. Perfect. Okay. So we mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about like your transition now to uh, public defender. So tell us like, you know, the best experience you got as uh, working for the state council for offenders and how that now helps you in your current role. Oh, absolutely. Um, the two best things that I got were, uh, for lack of a better phrase, my bedside manner. Mm-hmm. When you are dealing with people that are hopeless, man, you get really empathetic really quickly. You, you be, you're able to get onto their level. They see you as an authority, but you're still able to provide a calming guidance. And that was something I did not really like, you know, I, I was always, you know, an amiable person, but dealing with people whose lives they feel like are forfeit. I mean, yeah. you learn how to be an empathetic person real quick. Um, right. You also learn how to talk to people with mental health issues, uh, yeah. which was something I never had to deal with before uh, being a licensed attorney. Um. But so, were... yeah, I would imagine that's just like constant practice and being compassionate. Exactly. But you also learn yeah. how to handle a volume of cases. You learn how to work with investigators, with the team. Um, it was it was a really great experience. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like not for nothing, but, you know, it's not it, it's a job that not too many people volunteer for. Right. I mean, we we have some very dedicated people in that office. 
Um, but I've always found like, you know, doing the job that, that is, you know, it's inherently hard and difficult and, and there's just not that many people, um, uh, willing to do it. Like there's always something to learn. Like you always get something out of it. Um, maybe even a little bit more than like, you know, like something that you, that you've wanted to do. Right. I mean, it's obviously been great training ground for you. Uh, I'm sure you wouldn't have traded that experience for anything. Right. Absolutely not. I mean, it, it, it was a very niche field, but I mean, a niche field is how you build a career. Like it's how you, do you, you know, yeah. Do you, do you find that in your current role, like people come to you asking like, Hey, um, you know, what, what's the deal with like, how do I, how do I advise them on, you know, parole? What's it really like on the inside? Stuff like that. Yeah. Whenever I see people asking questions like about TDC or just on like, on a, like a listserv or any form of, you know, attorney, uh, board, I always try to make myself available and I do get questions sometimes. Um, yeah. I, unfortunately, I don't know about as much about parole as I should. Uh, but I met a very good parole attorney through TDCJ and me and him keep in touch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I imagine you'd just be a really great resource in general. Um, Thank you. I'm, for I'm people who are going in. Well, if nothing else, it becomes one of those things where you, you now learn stuff that the rest of us just we just don't know. And, and I would say that Mr. Harris and myself and, and most of us who uh, work as criminal defense attorneys have a better idea. But if I have, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I have a, the average person really has like a one, uh, you know, no real experience or knowledge of what it's like to be in the penitentiary. Mr. Harris and I might have a three. Yeah. Out of actually working I'm, I'm sorry you broke up a bit yeah he's, he's you're breaking up a lot Decker. um i think what he's saying is like aside from actually serving time in prison you know you act you probably have you know more experience than i mean obviously than your average attorney so um and I'm that that i think pays dividends second hand oh yeah right right <laughs> At least, at least for like, you know, having to sleep overnight there. Um, you, you, uh, you said like on your, on your way in, well, before we started uh, recording, you, you kind of um, told us that, you know, on your way into uh, one of these prisons, they wanted to, you had to, you had to sit through a dental appointment. Oh yeah. So because my, uh, my insurance goes through the state, like only certain or went through the state, you know, I had to go through certain doctors, certain approved doctors. And sometimes they were in prisons. Like I got my first COVID test in the prison um, and I went in for a dental appointment and like we, me and the dentist had a huge disagreement about like what, what a cavity search was. So I just left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's uh, hilarious. Um, all right. Well, you know, this has been a great uh, conversation Jake, I, I really appreciate that's, you. And thanks for, uh, yeah, man. Thanks dirty. for introducing yourself to, uh, to Decker at, at Rusty Duncan. Cause that, this is, uh, I think really going to be something interesting for our listeners. So before we wrap up, we do like to ask our, our, our guests, you know, three questions that, you know, just kind of lets us know who you are as a person, you know, not just an attorney. So first things first, what's your uh, favorite band or musical artist? 
you know, I've been following this uh, Houston rapper for a while. It's a, it's a hard one to pronounce, but it's Toby Nguigwe. Okay. He's uh, really awesome. He's been on Jimmy Kimmel before, but, like, I started listening to him in law school, and, uh, ooh, he's got a good flow. Really? Yeah. So um, we'll we'll uh, put that in the in the show notes too. Maybe some of our listeners will um, broaden their musical repertoire. Um, all right. Well, what about your uh, favorite book, or you know, one that you're reading now, or just one you recommend, or whatever? I mean, the one that I uh, in- probably enjoy the most is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, all right. I think it's just a delightfully funny book. Um, I'm reading the, I'm halfway through the second one right now. I read the first one in law school and I'm just kind of picking it back up. Um, but one I'm constantly rereading is Never Split the Difference. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember book. the author, but he's a FBI hot, former hostage negotiator. And he talks about mirroring and different negotiation techniques that he found useful. He talks about mirroring and different techniques that he found useful yeah i just mirrored you there um that would be christopher boss oh i didn't and that's how effective that that uh strategy is is that no one notices never split the difference i agree with you i love that book he's got a lot of really cool stories and i have found it particularly useful um some prosecutors think i'm just like i don't know just uh dense or obstinate or whatever i just keep asking them questions and I've been called stubborn a number of times before. <laughs> and and really what I'm doing is just taking these strategies and um, and trying to use them to get what I want or to get something better or to get something closer to like my ideal goal. Um, and so mirroring, looping, those are all things that I really try to do. I love that book. That's a great recommendation. And um, let's see, Decker's here. I think it's, he's having some issues with his connection. Yeah, but can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, perfect now. All right. So so what's the best piece of advice you've been given or one that you think that, you know, you kind of live by? I mean, uh, this is a podcast. Cursing is okay. Yeah. Yeah. My property teacher, my property law uh, teacher, the last day, a professor, the last day of class, he said, uh, everyone's going to remember who you are. Don't be an asshole. Yep. Yeah, we've um, we've yep. heard that one before. Every one of those negotiating techniques works a hundred times better when the person you're working with wants to work with you. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you don't get referrals from other people who did not like you. You don't like, even if they're not in the same field, like people are going to remember who you are. You never know who is going to come up in your life again. Um, so be consistent about that. Yeah. It's very is, true. Uh, great piece of advice um my yeah. all my property professor told me uh, or taught us in school was to get paid up front um which is <laughs> something i i still struggle to uh to abide by so that's great man jake thank you for joining us how can our listeners if they have questions for you or just want to pick your brain about some cases or or whatever um, how can I get a? How can I get in touch with you? Well, my uh, TikTok is, I guess, my most commonly used social media. Uh, I'm at Better Take Jake. Uh, awesome. My email address is also Better Take Jake at gmail dot com. If you want to send me any questions or whatever. Good deal. 
And we'll include those yeah. on the show notes. So hopefully if people do have questions, they can reach out to you. And um, and this is be the first episode where somebody leaves us their TikTok handle. Oh. Yeah, I think, that, well, think that's I first. Like also, so, so here's the real question, Jake. Yeah. How do how do people officially join the Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense fan club? How do we officially join? Yeah. yeah. Uh, how, how, how would I somebody join the fan club? Uh, I assume you reach out to Andrew and Andrew. You have your friend reach out to Andrew and Andrew and corner them at Rusty Duncan. That's how it worked for me. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. No, I was, yeah, that, 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 it's that always, was a lot of fun. It, it was a you great know, time. The it, it Decker texted me. He was like, we have a fan club. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, it was kind of uh, so I was like people actually listen out to, to this. Good. He's an attorney in San Antonio. He runs his own practice. He he introduced me to y'all, and uh, I've listened to so many of y'all's podcasts. So it's such a it's such a cool treat to talk to y'all. Well, it's well, been, it's, it's been a joy, and we're gonna definitely definitely gonna get him on the show as well. Forrest would love, love, love to. I, uh, I feel bad want... if I didn't plug his name. Yeah, no, we'll we'll absolutely have to have him on. Um, you know, we try to get we we we're Andrew and I are both in Fort Worth area, and so a lot of our guests are from that area. But we we do try to bring in people from, from, uh, you know, all over the state. And that's why, you know, Rusty is such a good resource for us. Um, we, we get to meet people, you know, from all over the country. So, um, definitely would, would love to expand our horizons there. My I, one last, um, anecdote about TikTok. my intern that I currently have is encouraging me to get on TikTok and leave these like attorney informational, like TikTok videos. And she showed me like what, one of the um, uh, attorneys who's doing this out of Nashville, and this is the reason she thought of me, but this guy looks like, I mean, he's got rings on each finger. He wears big gold, like big gold. You're talking uh, about Kev's got you covered. Kev's got you covered. Exactly. And I'm like, this is, this is who you saw that made you think of me. This is ridiculous. Like he looks like he's wearing a bad wig. Uh, and it's just outrageous. He wears like the brightest suit coats. But you know, that's who a lot of our people wanted their clients. Man, I, I, I uh, it is not my vibe. Um, but I was, I was, I didn't know how to take that. Anyways, um, we will, we will add you on TikTok, or I will, anyways, if I ever get on TikTok. Decker, we'll have to explain not, what TikTok be, is. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Money on the table is what it is, Andrew. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> well, Fantastic. gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. No, this was fun. It, we, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we don't do the uh, TikTok. So, Yet. Um, for Andrew Harris, I'm Andrew Decker. And for Andrew Decker, I'm Andrew Harris. Y'all be y'all good. be good.